everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, Francine. Hello, Matt. How are you today? I am wonderful. Awesome. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So we should just give an update about some of the stuff of the podcast. First off, my wife, who is very hard to impress, it's very hard to impress someone you've been married to for 21 years and you've known since you're 15. She was very impressed with the episode with Darren Detweiler. She said, by far, best episode that we have done. Awesome. I know. So if you haven't listened to that episode, guys, listen to that one with Dr. Darren Detweiler and his story. But she she was like you, Francine, emotionally. Our podcasts run the gamut. You know what I mean? So they're from like funny, like yeah. I think funny, funny. Feedback says funny, funny, to um, – very serious. Yes. And that was serious. My husband said, <laughs> poor guy, he's like, so that one just wasn't funny. <laughs> I'm like, no, it wasn't. He said, you cried. <laughs> I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I don't cry a lot. But I'm telling you, it was, you know, I think just, you know, like we alluded to, I guess, in the last podcast that, first of all, you know, we just listened to Darren's presentation, which was gut-wrenching. Gut-wrenching. I mean, my God, he made Bill Marler cry, so I don't feel too bad, (laughs) you know, about the fact that I... I cried. I joked about, you know, the poor man that sat next to me. I had to wipe my tears on his sleeve, (laughs) you know, but it was, you know, it was gut wrenching, you know, and we went from listening to that, you know, and his story is very emotional anyway. And, you know, I, I I truly was not expecting that because, you know, I, as I said, you know, I've written about it multiple times. I know the story inside out. I've talked about it in many presentations that I've done. And, and I do have a great deal of respect for him and what he's been able to do and yeah. overcome and pull out of that life experience. It was, it was uh, not just overcome. It was, I almost, I almost felt, I almost started crying too when, when he started talking about, you know, I get to choose, I get to choose what the legacy of my son is. And that was very powerful because his son died. It's just the story. His son died 30 years ago, exactly 30 years ago, when he was 16 months old of a secondary infection of E. coli from the Jack in a Box outbreak. And he got it from a kid that he was in nursery with. So he didn't even eat the Jack in a Box. He got it from just exposure to somebody who did. And then he spends basically the rest of his life advocating for not just advocating, also teaching in university. He got a doctorate. He went from working in a nuclear submarine in the Navy to getting his doctorate and being a professor and traveling the countryside, basically letting people know how important food safety work is and letting companies know how important food safety is. And when he started talking about the legacy of his son, I was like, man, that is powerful. None of these illnesses had to happen. None of these children or individuals needed to get sick or die. But when you talk about a child that didn't eat any of the product and was exposed by a child that came to the daycare sick and died as a result of that. Yeah. I mean, that 
is just extra. Yeah. But his story, I thought at the end when we were talking about the miss and the three miss that he came up with, we asked him for one. He came up with about three. He's an he's an overachiever. And then he comes up with it. Like the 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 three things I would have never thought of those. No. And and that's where the 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 power, I think the conferences that we go to, the food safety conferences, and more importantly, like the food conferences, like IFT or whatever, should really have people like Darren and the and the people from Stop there. To, to give their stories because people don't really hear in the industry, don't hear enough from the consumer groups that are out kind of giving a face to what it is that needs to be done. Well, and it's also, and you know, and Darren and I have talked about this many, many times, you know, a lot of times people will shy away from the fact, and, and I've been a believer of this, you know, my entire career, which is one of the reasons my colors have always been so bright and upbeat is like a lot of people shy away from food safety because sometimes it tends to be a lot of doom and gloom, you know, and it's hard not to be, you know, when people right. die and get sick, but it doesn't all have to be that way. You know, you can make it fun and educational at the same time. Um, it doesn't all need to be boring and dreary and gloomy, right? which was our intent, you know, when we created the right. podcast as well, is that you can make food safety fun. You can talk about it and that's okay. We're allowed yes. to do that. I think there's a lot of people with generations before us that thought, you know, it all had to be serious and scientific and scientific is important, but you can make it fun and make people want to learn about the importance of it at the same time. My wife explains our podcast as it's a podcast for moms and she keeps sending it out to like <laughs> all of her friends. And she was all th- that podcast with Darren. That was exactly what I was talking about. Moms will be able to relate with that and really be able to understand the impact of food compliance just from his story and how he explains it. And it was really cool. There was also some you know, fun aspects of it as well when when he was talking about, you know, uh, foodborne illness is not a get rich quick scheme. You know, you always hear the stories of somebody cutting their finger off and throwing it in their meal and suing. The- it doesn't work like that. Um, no. And it's no. Not at all. Well, and unfortunately, the only ones that we really hear about are the ones where the people do the the extreme cases. Those are the ones that we hear about the yes. um, the multi million dollar lawsuits and the ones that you know maybe a lot of people got sick, and that's why people have that perception. Yes, the multi state outbreaks and stuff. Yeah, right. Which is reality. Speaking of get rich quick schemes. We have one for our audience today, don't we? We do. <laughs> if you happen to be one of the 0.1% people in the United States, it's a very, very minute population will be able to get rich quick. I am definitely not one of them. You aren't either, although Francine, you could have been probably up until you were 40, but you have to be under the age of 40. And you have to be in extremely good shape and you have to have an amazing diet, not junk food, I'm guessing, but extremely healthy food. And then somebody will pay you for what, Francine? What will they pay you for? Your poop. (laughs) (laughs) Can't even make this up. No. You can't even make this up. Only, only in capitalism. Would someone come up with an inventive way to make money on poop? And sell your poop. <laughs> okay, so do you want to go into more detail, Francine, on this? Or do you want me to? 
Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Okay. So, so, okay, so <laughs> this is so funny. All right. So weird things. Uh, I mean, everybody goes down rabbit holes on YouTube or whatever. You're bored and you're you're just like going through. And so one of the one of the things that I like to keep up on are what are the weird side hustles or what are the interesting side hustles that people do as you know, just keeping up on AI, all that stuff. So when I'm when I have time, I just start going through YouTube. And I found one of the people I follow has, you know, like top five side hustles of the day or whatever. And this happened to pop up where you can sell your poop to a company. And we're talking about like real money, like 200 to $500 per stool sample to people who freeze dry it so that it can be, wow, what do they, what do they call oh, it? Fecal transplantation. Fecal transplantation. And literally they're taking the biome, healthy people's guts and sticking it into unhealthy people's guts in order for that bacterial biome to now create a healthy gut in someone who is not. That's what it is. Wow. Did you, could you do, you know, in a million years, could you have thought of creating something like this, Francie? No. When, when I saw this, I thought that you've got to be kidding. You, you have to be kidding. I mean, fecal transplantation. I have a septic in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> if only I was younger, what would that be worth? <laughs> right? Right? Uh, oh so there are people who are making one hundred and fifty to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year mailing their samples to these companies, and it's because only a small percentage of the population could fit in this category. And so you go, you send them a sample, and they sample and test your product. Can we call it a product? <laughs> they sample your. I mean, it, it is a fecal product. And and if you're if you're in that point one percent, you have it made temporarily. I mean, you're going to age out. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about you. This is on top of your regular work. You could buy a rental house a year. It is. It is fascinating. You could work your way through college. The student loan. <laughs> I didn't get scholarships. I worked my way through college. What did you do? Ah, it's a real shitty job. (laughs) (laughs) All credibility credibility is gone. (laughs) Uh, Now, now, in all seriousness, this is the point of it. If you have a new colony of healthier bacteria, it could help curb inflammatory bowel disease, obesity, yeah. gut infections, especially C. diff, and possibly Parkinson or fibromyalgia. So the fecal matter is transplanted mostly, mostly with the help of a medical team using a procedure similar to a colonoscopy or with an enema. <laughs> just, just. I'm not recommended you do this at home. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine the at-home kit? Oh, <laughs> I mean, this is this is like taking probiotics to the extreme, right? But you, I mean, we're talking minute amount of people, and so these companies are really, really, really looking for for you. If you could even remotely fit in this, they're looking for you. I'm having a moment right now where I'm thinking this is one of those times. Are you having a moment? I'm 
thinking, I'm sure my family is very proud of me right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, <laughs> yeah. What's your mom do? <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know what she does, but she has this podcast called Don't Eat Poop. <laughs> so we had to do this. Okay, so I, I literally sent this article to Francine and all I got back was, ha, 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 ha. You're kidding. No. <laughs> I have a 13-year-old granddaughter who is like incredibly impressed by the fact that, you know, you can Google my name and her screen lights up. Last year, she pulled my name up for the entire class and, like, was super proud of this, right? Which it was just, I couldn't even believe she did that. So now we have this podcast called Don't Eat Poop. She's mortified. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, oh boy, I can't. Would be like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> my granddaughter is mortified. <laughs> She sees zero humor in this. No, oh. I'm going to love this conversation. <laughs> and it's so funny. My daughter is the opposite. My daughter listens to every single episode. She was really upset that we were late on Tuesday. We didn't do it Tuesday. So for real, I got two phone calls and my husband sent me, I don't know how many text messages. There are two people in my family that I know listen to this podcast religiously. My daughter-in-law, thank you very much, Amanda, and my husband, Tim, love him dearly. They listen to this religiously. Other than that, I don't know that anybody does, <laughs> but we do have listeners that were like texting me, emailing me, and those family members. Oh, and my husband's aunt, my God, she's, I think, 83 years old, loves us. She gets the biggest kick out of this podcast, Helen. Her name is Helen, and she absolutely loves this. So anyway, got to love those people. I mean, I love them all, but, you know, we need all the fans we can get. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah, my, my boys all think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're like, wait, you talk about poop? And it's just like 12-year-old humor? It keeps us on that podcast worth listening to list, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. How about the, that? That is, that, that is amazing. Um, okay, but back to this, because I think if you, um, if you fit in this, it's people actually need this poop. We're going back to the poop thing. Here's part of the article. It seems that fewer than 0.1% of the population qualifies to be high quality, safe and affected stool donor. <laughs> Whoever made that <laughs> sentence had to have been laughing when they made that sentence. But anyways, one Danish group. So it's not just the United States. Every other first world country that has first world problems is like, well, let's create this one. One Danish group accepted three out of 700 people who applied for this. Three out of 700. So it, they are really looking very specifically for the right microbe in your stool. And then it says, so that's that was 0.04% of the population. And then the donor applicants, and, and it still wasn't able to find any ideal, highly affected donors. So at 0.4, that was good. That was acceptable. So three out of 700 were acceptable, but not ideal. 
Like if you're super fit and you are super healthy and all you do is worship your body and your biome, congratulations. You you may have a gig for like 20 years. So it seems that there are more three board approved continuing ed courses on nutrition specific for physical therapists. It looks like this is related to the gut biome. Yeah. Gut biome. I can't read it on my glasses on. Gut biome, it's called. Yeah, it's crazy. And so they're so they're talking about how super donors, it's very hard to find them with our modern diet. So they're they're having to go out to like third world countries that that have, you know, just they're still farming and just subsidy farming. Their gut, uh, gut biome is better and and helping with health. This is this is just this is fascinating. So I would I would be curious to know if anybody that is any of our listeners at any time ends up being a super donor. I want to know. That would be that would be interesting. That would be wouldn't it be great to interview a super donor? At 180 grand a year, I bet listeners are sending in their poop. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> to be tested. I mean, really? I mean, that's a side gig. Yeah, totally. Right? It's a side hustle. Throw away my monster. Lie about my age. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, let me know, Francine, if you end up. Oh, did it wasn't last episode about fraud and then you're like 180 grand off. Now I'm going to have my, now I'm going to have my bow. Lie about my age and have my bow transplanted. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, there you go. We're able to provide a side hustle to our audience. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. So what else do you have for us, Francine? So how do you feel about raw milk? Speaking of uh, bow. <laughs> In biomes, never would I drink raw milk. Yeah, me me either. So um, TikTok, again, you know, our favorite. Source of truth. Yeah. It's a source that. of truth, right? TikTok. Everything on there is accurate. <laughs> Just like Facebook. <laughs> there, it's got to be true. And Twitter. I found a young lady on there with 108,000 followers. So you know she's she's everything she says is the gospel. Um, she is professing that she drank raw cow's milk and it healed her gut health. I bet she's a candidate. It healed her gut health, helped her get along better with her mom. <laughs> yep. And as an added measure, she goes to the farmer's market and grabs some eggs and puts it in her coffee, sometimes one, two, or three raw eggs. And this has improved her gut health and helped her get along with her mother. 108,000 followers she has. (laughs) How many likes were on that one thing? Oh, it was at least a few. Millions? Well, it was at least a few. It was at least a few hundred. And people were asking questions, legitimate questions about this. And well, I'm like, me too. I have a few questions. No, but these were like <laughs> not the kind of questions you or I would ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. These so were what type of questions? Like what type of questions? Different questions, like, um, like how long did she have to drink the milk before she saw improvement? And <sighs> crazy, like crazy. You know, I'm not. Are you serious? Now, what's the problem with drinking raw milk? The problem with drinking raw milk is the main problem with drinking raw milk is that the udders are very close to the legs. By the way, guys, like I, I started in dairy a long time ago. My family were dairy people. So the udders are very, very close to the hoofs. They lie down 
And when dairy cows, when they lie down, they don't, they're not choosy, you may say, about uh, lying in their own filth. So, you know, they're lying in poop and pee and all that stuff, and their udders are there. Now, they do add iodine to the udders prior to milking, but that doesn't kill everything off. So, you can get E. coli, salmonella, listeria, et cetera, directly from raw milk. And none of those are like a good feeling. None of those are a good thing to have. Some deadly, as we've learned from listening to past podcasts. So she's promoting drinking raw milk, which could potentially lead to death. Yes. Now, I would not disagree. I would not disagree that the drinking of raw milk may help her gut biome. That that is a possibility. I mean, people drink uh, kefir and and eat yogurt, et cetera, et cetera, to help. I mean, there there are a lot of probiotics, more probiotics in raw milk than there would be in in pasteurized, pasteurized milk. right? Right, because theoretically, you pasteurize it, you get rid of all the, the you kill bacteria. all that, you kill all right. the bacteria. So that that could potentially be accurate, but the risk definitely outweighs the rewards on that, particularly since you can just go get other types of probiotics, you know, again, kefir, yogurt, et cetera, et cetera, that you can consume. The egg thing, there's what it would, okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't see how that is. The egg is supposed to be sterile, so I don't know how that helps with it. Okay, but besides the gut health, how did this help? With, were there any questions about how this helped with the relationship with her mother? Was the mom making the milk and then she just was like, oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for providing me milk. And there was just some sort of ability to relate because consuming any type of product should not help you with your relationships. I was just going to ask you, and do you think that this had any magical situation on her getting away with her mother? Theoretically, I think what happened is, you know, she wasn't as irritable. So she got along better with her mother because she wasn't as irritable, but I don't know. I think that's a placebo. So maybe she believed that because she was drinking this milk, she became less irritable. And because she was less irritable, then she was, then she was like able to have a better relationship. That one's baffling me. Yeah. Were there any questions about how that helped with the relationship with the mom? I didn't. I read a few of the questions. I read the, I don't know. I didn't read. There were a bunch of questions. I didn't see any that directly asked about her relationships with her mother. Um, I just was baffled by the whole thing. The eggs in the coffee, you know, right after the raw milk kind of, (laughs) she's crazy. (laughs) You're like, oh my gosh, this is rolling downhill. <laughs> I'm like, somebody needs to be accountable for some of the stuff people put on TikTok. <laughs> it is interesting though. There, I mean, I I know of people who, um, food can be like a religion. The obsession of food and what it does to your body and stuff is, it can be really an obsession. And people get locked on to certain things. Like for instance, I can't be healthy buy pasteurized milk. So I have to have raw milk and they'll drive to a different state with more relaxed mm-hmm. laws to pick up this milk, to bring it home. It's just fat. That is good, bad, ugly. Uh, th- that can be argued. I just find it fascinating. Right. What, no, what I mean no, is I, we know it's wrong because of the, 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 the pathogens that have the potential to be in that milk. But I find it fascinating about how people can't look at evidence and and change their mind. It, it's really it's it, it's ingrained in some people 
about consuming this product. And it's, and that I find is, is fascinating. I, I really just, I like just having conversations because I'm not going to change their mind, right? No, you're not. No. And, and I agree with you. I, I agree with you. And it's like, it wouldn't matter what you put in front of them. You're not going to change their mind. It's what they believe. It's how they were raised. It's what, it's just, it, it is what it is. And it's like, it's just a different way of viewing things. And you're right. They'll drive states. They'll just, they'll do whatever they need to do to get their hands on whatever it is they want to get their hands on. Yeah. And and you couldn't convince them if you tried that it was dangerous. And you could lay, you know, article after article after article about outbreaks and people that have died and yeah. it wouldn't matter. A ton. I mean, so my, my business partner and I at uh, New Era Partners, he used to work for the FDA and we we consult on the new traceability rule. So the FDA just came out with the traceability rule called FISMA 204. And then on that is what they call this FTL. Everything is acronyms in this industry. It's so hard to understand. But FT, FT, FTL, uh, food traceability list. There are, I, there's probably a, a little bit more than a dozen commodities on this. A little bit more than half of them are produce items, which m- makes sense. Like uh, melons, you know, the cantaloupe outbreak, leafy greens, et cetera. But Huge on this list is unpasteurized milk in the form of soft cheeses. Mm-hmm. And so there are, this is where this is where I actually used to consume those cheeses and absolutely love them. They are amazing. So I want to put a caveat on I want to not a caveat. I want to put a put an extension on that as well that it's not just unpasteurized or raw milk that mm-hmm. is an issue. But it's also anything you processed with that raw milk that you didn't pasteurize, like a soft cheese, a lot of outbreaks with that, a lot. And a lot of it in the Mexican community because they make that and, oh my gosh, I don't know, Francine, you'll probably never eat it. But I before I understood about how bad those cheeses are, I have consumed a lot of them and they are like the best cheese <laughs> and wow. that was really hard, but but now you can make it. You can still pasteurize it and make these soft cheeses, the the like the Mexican soft cheeses or whatever. But a lot of them end up in the Mexican community that get sick and and potentially die from raw soft cheeses. So when you visit other countries, be it Mexico or Europe yes. or wherever, the, the laws point. are different. The yes. laws are different, and you know you go there and you visit and you tend to eat whatever's being served, and oftentimes. You don't think anything about it unless you do what we do. You just don't think anything about it. You just eat what's put in front of you. You don't think about it. And sometimes, even when you do do what we do. Do do. You do do. <laughs> do do. Um, you eat it anyway. You know, you just you just do. So I, years ago, I went to Europe. And I have a friend who's gone more recently that is also in the same industry. And the cheese in Europe is Amazing. Amazing. A lot of it is made with unpasteurized milk. Yes. And it's very good. I did not get sick. However, when this other individual went just a few years ago, she knew better, you know, but it, it's good. It's there. It's And it's they eat a lot of cheese. And she came home very, very sick from eating yeah. the cheese. It's a risk that she decided to take while she was there. She ate a lot of cheese. I mean, and I'm a cheese. When my daughter-in-law first started eat, first started dating my son, we were out on the lake in the boat. We eat a lot of cheese in my yeah. family. And when I yeah, say cheese, too. I'm not talking by by the slice. 
Like we'll buy a block of cheese and cut big chunks of cheese and eat like chunks of cheese. And I can't remember after, you know, she'd been dating him for a while. She said, I've never seen anybody eat cheese like you guys eat cheese because <laughs> we just will eat cheese by the chunk. Yeah. And that's how we ate it, you know, when we were over there because, you know, they'll serve it. That's how they serve cheese. Yeah, that's that's breakfast. A lot of countries, yes. uh, which I, which, yes. which. I basically have adopted I, I grew up like this. My my family was my grandpa was born in Switzerland. So whenever I would go out with him or be at his house or whatever, a lot of times what he would eat for breakfast was processed meat and cheeses and fruit, you know? And oh gosh, I love that. I that's that's probably my if I eat breakfast, it's probably the majority of my breakfasts are that meat and cheese and fruit. We used to buy like a 10 pound block of cheese, like cheddar cheese, just about 10 pounds at a time. Like cheddar. Yeah. Or Longhorn cheese. Like I talked said, my grandma had a country store and I can remember, you know, they never refrigerated their cheese. You know what I mean? It was set out. It was oh yeah. You were telling, you, she used to make that there too, right? Not make it, but she would buy it and it would set out on the counter all in this constant state of almost melt. It was so good that I can remember going back to cut. A, I still have a scar to cut a chunk of that cheese off with the big cleaver. And when I cut it, I cut my finger but we've always eaten cheese since I was little like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. cheese is just a big deal. But yeah, like you said, the soft cheese is made with unpasteurized milk because you can get sick, very sick. I, I gotta see what a study is because my my assumption would be why is there pathogens in there? Wouldn't the other bacteria uh, outcompete those? But they don't. It's I mean, it's or they're so prevalent, or or because they've been in milk, those. Pathogens have have become re- resistant and and been able to to outcompete all the other bacteria. But it's fascinating um, that people again go out of go, drive multiple miles, spend significantly more money for this milk than anything else. But yeah, don't forget, even if it's used in making cheese, that also can get you extremely extremely sick. Well, and there's you know. The mindset too that you know well, I've been drinking all my life I'm going to be fine and that's right up there with the you know when you go to uh, to train or to educate somebody about the the mindset we're talking about the mindset you know I've talked to many people about something and it's like well you shouldn't do that because and like ain't killed no one yet <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I'm like yeah, okay well I understand but. <laughs> you haven't made anybody sick that you know of or you haven't killed anybody that you know of. But <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Okay, if I were to have another office, that would be one of those. I, I get like a decal, buy a bunch of decals of those. I haven't killed anybody yet. Mm-mm. That is such a huge thing that I think I've heard every single week for twenty years. It's yeah, it's typically well, and those are typically the words I hear. It's, I ain't killed no one yet, and I'm just like, dear God, just because you haven't killed anybody yet doesn't mean that you won't. It does. Maybe you just don't know. Maybe you know. It's just like. Please help yeah. me. Yeah, or, or along the same line of that, it's well, my great grandpa did it, my grandma did it, my mom did it, and and you know none of none of them got sick, and I'm not I'm not going to get sick either. <laughs> like okay, yeah, times be a changing. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about some of the things that my mom and my grandma did, both my grandmas, I'm just like, oh my god. Both of my grandmas had these crocs on top of their stove. And my mom, one grandma had like a gas stove. 
And I could remember they would put all the melted meat protein, like the the sausage grease and the bacon grease and the hamburger oh, yeah. grease in this crock. And they were called drippings. And that grease is what they used to fry things in, like fried potatoes yeah. and fried eggs. My God, they made the best fried potatoes ever. And the yeah. eggs would have that crunchy, crispy edge around them from that hot grease. Like it would be the crackly, yep. crunchy. Like if it's crackly, crunchy, I'm there. Like I love the crispy, <laughs> crunchy. And um, when I think back now that I don't remember either one of them ever emptying those crocs and like Yuck. cleaning them. So whatever was on the bottom was probably on the bottom for like 40 years. I don't know. And like, it was just the thing. Everybody did it then. Think about that. I totally remember it. And I do it kind of. Oh, I don't. And I say kind of because it's controlled. But anybody out there who's ever bought a full brisket will understand exactly what I mean. If you get a full brisket, about half of it is fat. <sighs> and you got to cut all that off, right? And so what I ended up doing was uh, – and yeah, if anybody does this, let, let us know. But after I take all the fat trimmings off the brisket, I put it into like a little foil pan. And while I am smoking the brisket, which, which takes like 8 to 12 hours generally, while I'm doing that, I am also smoking that fat. So the fat renders out and it also has a smoked profile and then I can it. So then I, whenever I'm doing the potatoes or I like a cook a steak on the skillet or whatever, I use that fat from the, the brisket that's smoked. So it ends up with a smoky flavor or eggs or whatever. And I, I'll add that to that. Okay. But you can it. I can it. That's not the same as letting it sit on top of your stove. No, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's how I grew up too. My family did the exact same thing. All the bacon grease. And it was like, it didn't matter what grease it was. Oh. It all just kind of commingled into the thing. And it's like whenever you're <laughs> going to fry something, you take a tablespoon out and you throw it in the skillet and that's what you- The fat from every meat is just just holding hands and, and singing kumbaya. In that skillet. And that's what you fry your potatoes or your eggs or your- you throw a scoop of it in the fried or in the ham, green beans and potatoes and, or, you know, whatever. 100%. But it was good. I mean, they were good. both great cooks. My mom was a great cook. I mean, I also had the flu a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> what we call the flu, you know, the vomiting and diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Which right. isn't really the flu, but yeah. All right. So have we done it? I think we have. All right. So... You know, apparently we shouldn't eat poop, but, you know, we can have it transplanted. Is that the moral of our story today? It's <laughs> <laughs> the moral of the story today. Yes. And I don't know, maybe if you are collecting your own lard and drinking your own raw milk and raw cheeses, maybe you might fit in the category of people who can donate that poop. Who knows? While you can uh, sell your poop, I would not recommend eating it. Do Don't eat, eat it. it. Don't eat Thanks it. Thanks all. <laughs>